African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us uh, right here on Channel Africa. Remember, you can find us on various platforms. Uh, thank you for joining us on our DSTV channel. Remember, we're on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Uh, that's if you're listening to us in uh, uh, the SADC region. I know in other parts of the continent, it's very difficult sometimes to see where people can get hold of us. But uh, most of the time, people are now finding us on that DSTV channel. It's Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And if you're a regular listening to us uh, on our website, Remember, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za, where you can stream us live. And uh, thank you for joining us. Today, we're broadcasting from outside our SABC studios. We're not so far away from our Auckland Park studios. We're right next to the OR Tambo Airport. Uh, we're at the Empress Palace, where the Smart Cities Africa Summit 2019 is uh, underway and uh, it is a summit that aims to look at how we can actually advance uh, African cities. We know right now we've got a lot of challenges on the African continent when it comes to urbanization the overpopulation, we know the migration movements into cities uh, actually stressing uh, the capacity of cities. We know we're also living in the fourth industrial revolution. We have to start thinking more and more on how do we actually enable Africans to access Wi-Fi, how do we make sure that we have access to good transportation? How do we create good uh, systems within our cities where we look at uh, cyber security? So all these things are being addressed right here at the Smart Cities Africa Summit. And I'm joined right now by Willem Fick, who is an independent consultant. And uh, he is here and he's looking at the digitization of the cities. Willem, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you very much for having me. Fantastic. Now, when we look at this whole issue of, of smart cities in Africa, it's not an easy thing because of the fact that Africa is a bit behind when it comes to even digitization in terms of access to the Internet. We know that there's African countries like Rwanda, Kenya. They're a bit ahead of other African countries, but there's still a lot of work to be done in this regard. That certainly is true. Um, we mustn't... All the, the thing is we mustn't get hung up on, on, on the technology provision side of things. Mm. Technology will come as long as the skills and the interest is there to do it. Yeah. Um, I think governments should perhaps, and that I said in my, in my presentation earlier, mm. I think one of the key things governments and city governments should do is try to create an environment that is safe and a pleasant place to live for okay. IT individuals. Okay. The IT companies will come and they will bring the tech with them. Okay. That, that's really how it will work. Um, there is skills in Africa. There's skills in South Africa. Mm. There's certainly the ability to build skills in Africa and in South Africa. If you build those skills, they will come and they will bring the tech with them. If you look at what Elon Musk is now doing with um, creating Internet access to the world, sure. um, that is really the, the big thing right now is Internet access. If mm. you've got Internet access, you can have a tech business, mm. no matter where in the world you are. And it's not really for governments to do that. Private sector is doing that off their own bat. Sure. Government just needs to make sure that on the ground, where these people are trying to do their tech job, mm. is a pleasant place to be. 
All right, let's look at a city like Johannesburg, mm-hmm. for instance. And uh, you think that this is the city where all this innovation of tech should be happening on the African mm-hmm. continent. This should be this, the hub of where all the innovation is coming from on the African continent. But it's not really happening. Instead, it's happening in places like Santon or it's happening in Cape Town. We know that's a, a hub for innovative uh, technologies right now in South Africa. So cities like Johannesburg, you, talk, you spoke about a very interesting element in terms of creating a safety environment. And maybe that's one of the biggest concerns when it comes to a city like Johannesburg. It's vibrant, it's colorful, but still there's that safety factor that might not be attracting the companies. I wouldn't call it the safety factor. factor. I'd call sure. it the hygiene factor. Okay. Because it's not just about safety. It's about local bylaw enforcement. Sure. If you look at Cape Town, as I mentioned earlier, if you look at, at, um, at, at Santon, um, it's clean. Mm. I mean, I don't want to drive through filth to get to work. I mm. don't want to be surrounded by filth. Mm. Um, it's it's a place where I want to be. Mm. And because I want to be there, that's where I would naturally go. Sure. If, if, if the Johannesburg Council would take the time to make Johannesburg a place where things are cleaner, things are tidier, there's bylaw enforcement, mm. then they might entice me to go there. I mean, the, 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 the JMPD has the ability to, to fight petty crime. Mm. But, um, you know, if the focus is traffic law enforcement on the highways <laughs> and, not, and not petty crime, then you're punishing the wrong people. Sure. So, so, so that, I think, is a secret to success. That's certainly what I, as an IT professional, look for. I mean, Joburg has cool buildings. It's a cool city. Yeah. But um, it's hidden under a layer that, that, that is not the most appealing. It's so very interesting what you're highlighting, the fact that, a clean city can actually bring in innovation. It's something it's that's huge. so simple, but can make huge. a huge difference. You want to enjoy the space in which you live and work. You mm. want to feel that it's something conducive to your to your creativeness. Mm. Um, I mean, Santon is soon becoming a city in its own, and, and it'll bring its own problems. But mm. for now, the, the Santon precinct, there's heavy investment in keeping it clean, keeping it nice, keeping petty crime at bay and the like. Mm. And that is what IT professionals like. That is why the companies moved out of Joburg in the first place. Yeah. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange moved to Santon because of crime in the area where they were. Mm. Um, if you get a handle on that, and, and that is within the power of the municipality, mm. if you get a handle on that, you will get people to not move and even to move back. All right, let's bring in uh, Mr. Hitten Parma, who's the director of Uilo Immobility. And uh, he's part of, he was uh, kind of raising this um, presentation called Electric Mobility for Smart Cities. I don't know if we're struggling with keeping our cities clean, if we're ready for electric mobility. Uh, but tell us a little bit about what you guys do there and why you're at this particular event. Morning, great, thanks. Um, yeah, I think, you know, looking at cities as we stand today, um, yeah. there are certain challenges we face. Sure. We're facing urbanization, uh, mass growth of transportation, where yeah. infrastructure hasn't grown in proportion to that, yeah. and again, the technology readiness of where we are in the space. And unfortunately, where we face today is that the traditional technologies of petrol and diesel vehicles have yeah. had an impact within air quality in our cities. Yeah. Uh, 5.5 million people die every year from yeah. air pollution. Yeah. Right, and primarily caused from energy sector and transportation sector. Yeah. In South Africa, the Green Transport Strategy highlights that 91.2% of emissions is from the road transport sector in South Africa, yeah. primarily from 
petrol and diesel uh, combustion. Yeah. If you look at our cities, the haze that hangs around, what is that? That's pollution. Every day we are breathing that. doesn't matter whether it's informal settlements or the CEO of uh, sitting in the 12th floor of, <laughs> of a building in, in Santon City. We are all breathing that air, and that's a, ch- that's a challenge. So based on that, what we're seeing with the mobility side is that there's a global clampdown in air quality in our cities. Certain countries are, are declaring zero emission zones mm-hmm. within central uh, areas of the city, and that's where it is. And that's impacted the automotive industry or the transport industry that are, that are bringing or manufacturing mobility platforms. So what we're seeing is that now the technology on petrol and diesel vehicles does not meet that regulation for, um, uh, for, for emissions. And hence, we need to move to new technologies. And that, the enabling technology on that is electric mobility. Mm-hmm. So the whole value chain of mobility is becoming electric. Uh, electric vehicles, electric buses, electric trucks, marine aviation is all becoming electric to, to for us to transition to that. And that brings in uh, on the backbone of smart cities. So we're looking at smart communication, smart grids, smart cities, mm-hmm. smart mobility, all of that hands in hands within the future smart city context. And that, that's what the presentation is highlighting. So what we're seeing within that case, and this is what, what was established mm-hmm. within the ULO program mm-hmm. initiative of the Technology Innovation Agency in 2013, mm-hmm. to be a multi-stakeholder program to bring both public sector, private sector together to drive this revolution in mm-hmm. South Africa. Uh, that's our activities from a policy perspective, technology development and bringing that all together. I hear those big phrases and those big references that you're highlighting, but according to Willem here, he was highlighting earlier on the fact that as a, a continent, we're just struggling in some big cities, if you think of Lagos, if you think of Johannesburg, maybe Nairobi is a little bit better in just keeping our cities clean. So if we struggle with those little nitty-gritty things, I mean, I have started using the taxi to work because of the petrol price in this country. So I kind of navigate myself through the city and I struggle to navigate myself through it because it's full of vendors, it's full of chaos, the street is overpopulated, it's, it's just Africa, that's what it looks like, it's normal for me because that's the environment I've been in, but for smart cities, it's not really smart, it's very regressive in terms of the fact that we haven't allocated the informal settlement market to a particular location, even if we do that it's outside of our control and now you're talking about electric mobility is that a reality in indeed it is because <laughs> you know when we look at certain challenge of cities and you know we mustn't forget africa's perspective because africa has the opportunity to leapfrog certain challenges we face yeah and if you know we're trying to build roads and we're trying to build fuel stations in these settlements where we need you know we need to move beyond that because we shouldn't be making the mistakes that the uh, developed countries have done and this is where the opportunity has the impact of telecommunications mobile telecommunications africa leapfrogged you know mm. nobody could uh, underestimate that the growth that we saw mm. moving from fixed line to to mobile and that's where we see we need to as africa keep in mind of you know listen where, we d- where do we need to go and sure. while we're doing infrastructure development and, and city planning let's not make the same mistakes that we did in other cities let's look at what are the technologies let's keep abreast of that so that we can move ahead when you're looking at uh, just to wrap up on that in, mm. in, in the context of informal settlements and access to energy mm. when we're looking at challenges of access to le- electricity in mm. rural settlements mm. or informal settlements or, or rural net- networks mm. the technology of solar and storage comes into that and mm. if you bring in e-mobility onto that it just latches on so for 
from from a from a solar system or energy uh, uh, independent power producing, you're then providing energy for the community, and mm. if you bring in mobility, you're also bringing that together. So it, it's it's a hands-on situation. So within Africa, certainly we do have our challenges, mm. but it's important in terms of a roadmap going forward that we keep abreast of what's mm. available there and bring that in home, so that when we see development and growth, mm. we can start bringing that in. William, I see you you as optimistic Absolutely. as Hitton um, um, here. Um, what is interesting, and, and maybe my age is being given away, here, but <laughs> I remember a time when Johannesburg had electric buses. Yeah. We had an electric bus wow. system. Yeah. There was also a time where if you wanted to transport bulk cargo for more than a certain distance, you were by law forced to use uh, a train. You couldn't use trucks. You mm. couldn't use road transport. For some reason, during our evolution our evolutionary process in Johannesburg, these things fell by the wayside and we became very dependent on car transport and you know, smaller means of transport. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sad to say, but we actually have to go back to the past because I don't want to be stuck in gridlock traffic every day, but mm-hmm. there's not necessarily a viable option for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, for me to get to Santon from where I live is, is a nightmare if I don't use my car because public transport infrastructure is just not what it could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's perhaps one of the key issues is that... Um, there is public transport, but there's no integration between between what I would call private sector public transport, mm-hmm. the taxi industry, and, yeah. and what can be provided by local government. These things mm-hmm. don't work hand in glove. They compete mm-hmm. for the same space. They don't try to help one another in the, in the same space. Sure. And I think some massive benefit could be derived from, 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 from a more developed um, transport infrastructure that is not necessarily sponsored by government, but, mm. but thought out by government and, 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 and managed with government intervention, so as to make sure that we live up to these clean targets, but also just bring practicality to it. I don't want to sit on a parked highway mm. every day, and you can solve that with, with, with new mobility ideas. You know, it's like you saw my morning today, Evelyn, because what I did this morning <coughs> to get here, I actually took a taxi mm-hmm. from my place mm. to a closer location here. And then from that particular location, I then went into my Uber app, my Bolt, Taxify app, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then I actually Googled to come, come here and then I searched and then, oh, it's, it's actually cheaper if I use that method to come here. And I thought to myself, as you're speaking to her, oh, this is very interesting, the fact that you're speaking about the fragmentation of mm-hmm. the systems. Because all these things can be incorporated and maybe this shows that there's a divide between the private sector, the public sector, and even the informal uh, sections of transportation and also of just uh, innovation as a whole. Absolutely agree with you. I, I have that challenge with the car train. I actually <laughs> lived on the East Rand until not too long ago. Sure. And the car train is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Except the car train buses run on this end of the, of, 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 of the system. It doesn't run on the end where I come from. Sure. So it means that I still had to get in my car or get an Uber or something to get to a station, mm. get, in the, get in the train and, and then get to Johannesburg. And what's also quite frustrating is, I don't know who thought these things through, but, but car train has dependence on these big buses, mm. big buses that don't carry people. Sure. Um, they're not wheelchair friendly. For yeah, instance. yeah, they're, sure. They're not luggage friendly. Why didn't they invest in a fleet of smaller vehicles? Mm. It would have been so much better sure. because they would have been able to give access far wider than what they do right now. It's probably not economical to run a bus network out on the East Rand mm. if you talk big buses because they're going to be empty most of the time. Sure. But if you have smaller vehicles, you can, you can create your catchment pool far wider or you can extend your catchment pool far wider. Mm. So it's about the integration with the area where you're in, understanding the area where you're in and making it work for you that mm. I don't see happening for us right now. And, and how do we create that bridge, 
that's where the challenge is and maybe that's the answer maybe you bring to the table here. Certainly because when we look at the, the transport uh, framework within cities uh, and, the, and most of the plans speak to that, it's an integrated pl transport plan mm. and where we're looking at what you specifically highlight today is your journey around mm. that. Mm. So what we tie in when we, when we latch on to public transport is also bring in first and last mile transport. So mm -hmm. your day started, your first mile that you caught Critical. on mm. and then your last mile because there's bridging in that and that's where we need to do and e-mobility, the context that it brings in, your, your, your small three-wheelers, four-wheelers, and that's where it is, comes into it, those don't need to be gas or petrol or diesel, electric. And those can move in within the suburbs, get the people, pull them into the, to the main bus service or wherever it is, transfer them there and go. And again, for your destination when you come on. Again, what's highlighted again is user-centric. So again, you're the user, you want to be connected, you want to get out your, 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 your home, pick up uh, electric taxi, pick that up, Correct to the electric bus, go wherever you need to go. When you get off, again, find a, the, the nearest um, uh, uh, um, ride-hailing service, wherever mm. you are, and get to your final destination. So it's a, it's a mix and match of different mobility platforms, mm. buses, small vehicles. And again, looking at the disruption that's coming, I mean, vehicles, our private-owned vehicles, only used 5 to 7% to, to of the time, if you think of it, mm. right? So we build homes for these cars and everything else yeah. that we don't use so much. They yeah. cost so much. We yeah. pay insurance. We pay yeah. such a premium yeah. for yeah. them. And we don't utilize that. That's part of the disruption that's coming. The future customer doesn't need to own a vehicle. And these new modes of mobility are changing. Sure. Uh, and it's all coming together in Very that space. Very interesting conversation, guys. Willem, you want to respond no, to I, that? I, I have something to add to that. And I, mm. think, I think one of the crucial challenges is integrated, integrated ticketing. Mm. Because the key frustration to yeah. everyone is yeah. you have to... If you're, if you're a taxi commuter, you inevitably have to carry cash. Mm. So you have to carry cash and you pay your tax and then you have to buy a train ticket or you have a monthly train ticket or whatever. There's no integrated billing, so there's no, there's no interest. I mean, how do people know how much their transport's costing they them on a monthly know. basis? Yeah. They just don't know. Yeah. If you can build a system where there's integrated costing across those channels, that'll be even better. Don't you touch my car, though. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a good one. But, you know, the big concern I have, as much as you guys have all these great innovative ideas, we have a problem is from a government viewpoint, because sometimes it's very isolated to the real issues that are happening on the ground. And transport, I don't think, is a very complex issue. I just think we need to just sit down and be very strategic around it. How do we create that synergy from government to mobility companies and to even uh, the public transport service industry? So, for in the context of government, which is now the panel discussion that's coming mm -hmm. out, mm -hmm. for my viewpoint, government need to create an enabling environment. Yeah. That comes in from policies, regulations, and that's in from, from, from and standards from national government. However, the big opportunity for local government, from city's perspective, mm. is the opportunity to, 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 leap, to move faster on that from their bylaws and supporting the stuff that happens on the ground. Yeah. Local governments have got such a key role to play on the ground in getting all of this enabling environment in, and that's what we need to see coming to place. So we need to be aware of our challenges and also keep in sight of the future and where we're going so that we don't make the same mistakes that we've so made before. So what is the enabling environment? I know we like saying that government must create the enabling government without really describing what that enabling environment is. So a lot of it comes to, and especially working in trying to bring in new technology into South Africa. Yeah. South Africa is unfortunately an over-regulated market. Okay. While there's so much red tape to, you know, to protect this person, to guide this person, this, it's, it's hindering progression and we're stuck. So I can give you one example. The Road Traffic Act of 1996 doesn't allow electric oh. bicycles of on the Of course road. it doesn't. So, so that's <laughs> where 1996. You know, you know that, that's the policy we are guiding and our controlling our roads today. Mm. Right? It still classifies that the person using the road must be in charge of their machine mm -hmm. or the animal. 
you know, animal in that context. <laughs> we, we're talking about <laughs> countries today uh, implementing driverless cars, autonomous yeah, vehicles. Yeah, yeah, now, sure. again, that, that law we, we, we hosted. Interesting, yeah. We had the first <laughs> autonomous vehicle in April where the minister drove at, uh, in Sun City Conference. Uh, Which minister? Uh, the, the previous minister, Blade uh, Mizamani. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of transport. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, he, d- he drove in the first time in a full autonomous vehicle on South African ground. Yeah. However, as I highlighted, the Road Traffic Act doesn't allow <laughs> that. It only allows permission on the road of either, either a human in control of the animal or the machine <laughs> in that sense. So, you know, this is the balance. So, again, we need to look at that space. So, well, yeah. so government have a role to play. Private sector will always bring the technology, always be a step ahead. Yeah. But we need this cohesion together. Government to come to the party and private sector to well, come um, to y- the party. Y- your sentiments, there's a okay. long way to go here. There's, there's, there's and, and I trust you're being pushed for time here. So, yeah. so I think my last comment on this, which ties to over-regulation as well, there, there's, there's actually an element of, of misguided regulation mm-hmm. too. Because if you look at, 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 the, at the stakeholders involved when you talk, when you talk transport, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the big issues you're going to have is how do you address the taxi industry? Yeah. Yeah. Because anything you bring into this marketplace that is seen as a challenge to them, mm-hmm. you're on a you're threatening them, yeah. and, and that's perhaps a space where government needs to step in and, and start defining borders there mm-hmm. so that anybody who wants to enter that market can, in, can do so safely. But also we have to recognize that even the taxi industry has so many limitations it does. and that we can introduce certain systems to complement the current networks that we see in that transport system because I find it very intelligent the networks and how they work Mm -hmm. they're very advanced uh, in terms of how they actually get people from um, far flung areas into cities especially when you look at Gauteng in itself Mm -hmm. and we just don't have systems that complement that that network and that's perhaps where to start is mm. to start by showing that you can put something in place that's not a threat and yeah. it's not a hindrance but sure. it's something that, that, that that'll help them yeah. and that's maybe a way to start and then in doing so you can perhaps extend your services into their space even with their cooperation even with their involvement sure. but that is that is going to be tricky space to govern quite honestly that's or, or, or to to navigate I should rather say well gents we don't have a lot of time I'm going to take your business cards I hope I can because I think this is a conversation that needs to be revisited because I think it's so broad and large and I think we can extend the conversation but thank you both for coming to this panel and giving us your thoughts I think it's great that these conversations are happening now especially as we're trying to find ourselves around the fourth industrial revolution I'm not sure if we're going to catch up as Africa since we're behind. Maybe we'll have to leapfrog to the fifth industrial revolution. I'm not quite sure where we are right now. But thank you to Hitin Parma, who is a director of Uyilo Immobility Program. As well, thank you to Willem Fick, who is an independent consultant. And he was speaking today around digitization of cities. We're right here at the Smart Cities Africa Summit. We're looking at the challenges right here in terms of how is the continent actually facing these particular challenges of digitization how do we create more mobility in our cities that's more efficient efficiency is the big word when it comes to these kind of conversations how do we make sure that we take people from townships to cities in the quickest ways ever because that's one of the biggest challenges and sometimes we think people in townships or people in villages can't use technologies that actually can actually improve their lives but we start
starting to see even internationally and in even other African countries where people are starting to see that using a mobile app can actually just change uh, the, the distance that you can travel from one space to another and that can actually be incorporated even within uh, the, the informal and formal structures that already exist in transport systems and IT systems. So it's really a big conversation that's happening here at the Smart Cities Africa Summit. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with more guests looking at this very, very cool, cool conversation. In each and every one of us, there, there is a purpose and grace. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to, to live, live your life, life by, by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of, of Monday, Monday motivation. motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by, by Design, be the architect of your life. life. Only on Channel Africa, the African, the African perspective. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Fridays, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central African Time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African Perspective. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Again, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, It's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Again. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and and, (laughs) and do my part and do it really, really well. Hey, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. This is one of my favorite things to do. I, I sometimes get so bored and sometimes being in the office and sometimes when we get to, to get out a little bit and uh, speak to the experts outside our SABC offices, it's kind of the best uh, moments for me because that's when we just get into the action of the big conversations that are happening on the African continent. As I mentioned, we right here at the Smart Cities Africa Summit, which is looking at the big challenges of the continent when it comes to re- really, really catching up with creating smart cities on the African continent. And when you look at uh, 
the potential of a city like Johannesburg and you just look at it and you say so much is not done here so much can be actually improved here and uh, you you go to a city like um, Santon and you just see uh, the different mobilities that are introduced then you're like why don't we duplicate this right here in Johannesburg but there's so many challenges we know overpopulation is one of them we know urbanization is something that actually leads to the lack of infrastructural development is another big challenge when you look at Joburg. We have so many buildings that are just sitting and are not doing much except just uh, sitting there and are just empty. So how do we make sure that our cities are smart and that we can actually create a better society because with the introduction of technologies we can actually find alternative ways to improve the lives of African people. And It's about efficiency. Sometimes it's about cost and saving time and saving money. Even the ordinary uh, worker who's going to pick and pay and work at the teller there can save a lot of money if we introduce new technologies via transport in terms of the the time they spent on their way there but hey we're still a little bit behind when it comes to this but now we're going to move in an area of technology and we've got John Bosco Arens who's an executive of EOH which is a, a software company and also we've got Vincent Mbonye who is a, a cyber security expert and also working on his PhD at the University of KwaZulu Natal thank you gents for giving us your time as well. Let me start with you, Vincent, yes. um, in terms of why you're here. Tell us a little bit about why do you, as a person who's into cyber security, yeah, yeah. would you be thinking of being at a Smart City Summit? Um, thank you very much for uh, giving me this opportunity to talk to you and the audience uh, that's listening to us. Sure. Um, we, uh, the Smart City Summit is really a very, very good initiative that we are taking because uh, while we are thinking about smart cities, most of us are thinking about the future that, you know, there's still a long way to go to implement actually these cities. But most of these technology are already in place. Mm. We have uh, sensors already in the airports. When we went to wash our hands, we just place our hands there and sure. the water pours out. When we are walking into hotels, the lights go on automatically. Mm. So. They are, they, the road has already been created and uh, people have already started imp implementing these systems. Mm -hmm. So when we start looking at um, the cyber security side, so now on what, I'm not saying like on what grounds will they implement, but what was the basis of implementing? Did we look at the architecture in place, the technology in place they use, how secure was the technology wa wa that was in place, right? So now you find that um, most of s another, another aspect is that most of uh, these uh, technologies already have vulnerabilities. Mm. They're already vulnerable. There are already loopholes within. Yeah. So, um, uh, the meaning, meaning that uh, when time comes uh, in the future, maybe when they're all connected to the internet and all that, mm. people have already have a, a spot in which they can attack these systems. Yeah. So, what policies are in place in getting these technologies, in uh, installing these sensors? If, if we happen to understand that there's a vulnerability and the sensors are already in place, do we break down the wall? Mm. How long does that take before everything goes crashing down? Mm. So, uh, we are trying to approach it from a research perspective in that um, with when you look at uh, we African countries in general, in terms of research, we are a little bit going a little bit slow. Mm. So there are all sorts of frameworks we can put in place and then we try to adapt them to our perspective so that we address the challenges from our African perspective and be able to um, implement smarter cities that are more secure. So that I'm looking mm. at it from a research perspective okay. yeah, and, and uh, we have uh, many uh, people here who have a lot, of, a lot to share and... Sure. Yeah, and then think it's, it's... So, John, EOH, a software company, I know you guys also do a lot of research around a lot of issues as well. Um, tell us a little bit about EOH and, and why you're here as well. 
Okay, EOH in fact is one of the largest system integrators in Africa. Okay. We're an ICT company that has got presence in Africa and even in the world. Mm -hmm. I think we're one of the few South African companies that actually exported our local expertise mm -hmm. into the world. Mm -hmm. And as much as we continue to see a trend where we're importing things from, from Europe and America, mm -hmm. we find ourselves in a very unique position as a South African company that we're able to take our homegrown developed software mm -hmm and deploying that into the world and software is just but one of the things we do. Um, we've got a couple of key verticals that we focus on. We deliver everything from cloud to networks to ICT to security to development and we have a whole bunch of software that we own the IP on it itself that operates in banking spaces etc. So we've got quite a wide variety of, of solutions that we have including services and people is at the center of what we do at EOH. Talking about why I'm here today, you know, um, firstly I'm an African, mm. secondly I'm a South African. <laughs> sure. So I spend a lot of time in Africa during the early years. That's a years. very different perspective for a South African because we think we're South African first and secondly African. <laughs> I know. Um, unfortunately, um, when you had to run away from security police like I had to do in early in my life, yeah. you start realizing that sure. you're an African first and sure. South African second. Sure. Mm -hmm. But I think what is important for me is I am, when I look around society today, mm. I see there is a lot of hope in people's eyes. Mm. I see there is a lot of positivity. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one -on -one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Fridays, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central African Time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African Perspective. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning we are certifying more university graduates at the University of Johannesburg and what this does for the first time I mean in South Africa Angie Motsecha our Minister of Education 
they have a program where you learn CAT and IT up to high school, from grade 10 to high school, mm-hmm. which is the equivalent of what you do from a certificate perspective in the outside world. Mm-hmm. We're teaching people how to develop code, we're teaching people how to do things in ICT, and some of these youngsters that we are now certified are taking that accreditation they get sure. for the matriculation qualifications, and it's really changing lives. Yeah, and, and, and let's look at that particular issue of how much we're catching up when it comes to um, really advancing ourselves mm-hmm. in and just changing the mindset around ICT mm. and infrastructure and, and making sure that uh, we, it, it complements our cities. It complements, if, even if when it comes to cybersecurity, how yeah. do we make sure that it deals with the, the challenges of urbanization, the challenges of mm. even migration? Because like a city like Joburg, you just don't know next year how many people will be located mm. into a place like this. Yeah. That's where the big challenge is, isn't it, in terms of how do you determine what's going to happen in the next few months Mm. in order for that infrastructure to hold Mm. Um, uh, from overall overall it come it all comes down to um, to like the government governance structures Mm. policies and standards and uh, this is a point that needs to be emphasized because um, uh, like Bosco was saying that Mm. uh, what when I am attacked who do I go to I Recently, I got an SMS on my phone yeah. telling me I won uh, 950,000 <laughs> uh, rand, sure. and I just need to collect it. Yeah. So I have the message seated on my phone. They have mm. my data. Yeah. Now, I know about security. I know I want to report this. Yeah. But I know there, there are uh, fraud lines and uh, you know, all these lines I need to call. Mm. But you find that, uh, how do they get back to me? This is something that may not be uh, traced and followed up to get back the results to mm. me. Okay, my number was called, uh, my phone was uh, sent a message that is, how did it end up? How did we resolve it? Yeah. Did we get, get the culprit? Mm. Then it all ends up into, um, because it's a big space, mm. someone could be coming from another country, that side. So how do we go back and so then... So how do we do it? How do we go back and then, uh, and then get this? It goes back to some standards. Before sure, we implement sure. any technology, any architecture, we need to make sure that the standards are in place, are being followed, and uh, everybody is liable to whatever they are, they are, they are implementing. Mm-hmm. If I am a business and I'm getting, uh, I want to develop a solution, maybe I'm developing a smart transport solution mm-hmm. for Joburg sure. or Durban, or mm-hmm. the technologies I'm going to use, are they going to, fall, uh, to abide by the standards that are set up uh, within, our, uh, within our municipality? Or, um, and then... And then when we get back to, uh, if, I'm, if I am attacked, mm-hmm. how do I talk now there without uh, mm-hmm. uh, bypassing any, you know. So, it's, so it all goes back to strong governance structures that are overseen mm-hmm. by the government. And in, uh, it has to be incorporated in all, all this before anything is implemented, before any business buys any technology, before any consumer purchases a product. It has to follow, he has to look at checklists and say, okay, I'm buying this smart TV, but then uh, is it secure? Sure. Has it has it yeah. been for has the standard been for when they're giving it to me? Yeah, yeah so it, it goes goes back to enforcing those standards and have following up on the results to make sure this is uh, yeah. a secure we're going to a secure. John, do we have that capacity? Because sometimes when it comes to infrastructural development or even the cyber expert field, it's very fragmented and it's very competitive in terms of uh, uh, the companies involved with it. And sometimes there's no synergizing in terms of the methods, in terms of the technologies and the infrastructure. Um, do we have the capacity to, to actually uh, create a more um, synchronized system where the there are more um, kind of partnering elements to make sure that it's 
we understand what's actually going on because sometimes I think that's where the big challenge is, is that there's so many software companies that you just don't know what's, what's what and what's not what. I think we definitely have the capacity. Sure. Um, I think as South Africa, we have learned a couple of very expensive lessons as a country. Mm. But I think what is important in terms of that capacity is you need to decide what is best for you. Yeah. And what government has done is they've actually come up with different frameworks and guidelines and governances yeah. that says for government, this is what we want. One of the examples is we don't want our data to sit out of the country. Sure. Mm. So I don't care what 500 software companies want mm. to do or cloud providers want to do. Sure. You can do what you want to, but I want my data here. Yeah. So I think getting that maturity and understanding in mm. industry mm. is actually where the problem is. We do not have a technology problem, a process or a mm. policy problem. We yes. have a people problem. Okay. Mm. And unfortunately, because we change these people around every five years, mm. the continued sustainability and education mm. of them is mm. what is the challenge. Mm. But there is good news at the end of the tunnel. Mm. I mean, when you look at governance, mm. there is a way for you to start digitizing and automate this governance. Mm. There's a way for you to build in business processes that are mm. no longer dependent on how John's mood is for that five <laughs> time in the morning, sure, sure. whether I feel I want to help you or give you a hard time because I can do both within mm. the governance. Yeah. But when you automate this and you put the rules in place mm. and you digitize all the consequences and the steps that need to follow mm. if I don't do something. Mm. The point you raised earlier is I've reported this thing, I'm, mm. I'm being hacked, mm. my data's out there, who does anything? When these things are put to process and they are put through automation and using artificial intelligence as a way of creating business rules mm. to enable these things, you take John's power away yeah. from saying, um, actually, uh, you know what, I want to cover this. This is my friend. I don't want to, mm. yeah. to, to yeah. deal with this guy because I've also got a date with this hot girl, which <laughs> I know is a Nigerian sitting somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, but, so this is the thing. So we need to get, we need to get that done. And if we get that done and you understand the rules that you need to engage mm. in, mm. I think the capacity issues, we can get to it because now we don't need to understand the technology anymore. Mm. We now only need to understand the capabilities and sure. go to these software providers and say, give me this capability sure. if you can. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, gents. I'm going to take mm. your cards as well because mm. these conversations are so important, mm. but they're so short because mm. the event has got so many people in them. But thank you to John Bosco Arens, who is an executive at the EOH, uh, which is a software company. Thank you to Vincent Mbonye, a young PhD student at the University of uh, KZN. Uh, he's also a sec- cyber security expert. Gents, thank mm. you for giving us your time. I'm sure thank we'll try to get back to you because I think mm. we need more of a conversation. Yeah like this to speak on it on an elaborated platform mm. but hopefully we'll get your business cards and take this conversation forward yeah. it's a pleasure and yeah. god bless you yeah. thank and you t- god much. bless you too thank gents you uh, yeah we're at the smart cities africa summit we're wrapping up right now it's a great conversation that we're having here as you can hear that uh, it's almost like the show is too short for these conversations but we'll try maybe in future uh, shows to actually have a more elaborate conversation on on these particular issues because i think some of them need more of time and, and they need um, more of uh, an elaborate um, uh, conversation indeed. But that's it from me, Benjamin Mushatam and the African Dialogue team and our marketing team and we've got our technical team here. Uh, but uh, we have to go back uh, to the Johannesburg studio and we'll get our business news there and after that we'll have our sports. But from us here uh, at Empress Palace at the Smart City Summit, God bless.